Well, Metropolitan Baptist Church, it is a blessing to be up here with you this morning and being able to preach for you this morning and uh, preaching for you tonight as Brother Wayne Hudson is out of the pulpit. But man, I love Sunday morning. I love anytime church is happening. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of our Lord, man. There's nothing like saved folks getting together with saved folks, amen? See, we, we work in the world, don't we? We're around lost people. We're around heathen. We're around people who are struggling. We're people that are negative. But man, you come into church and you're around people who are struggling, people who are negative, and people, I'm joking. You go to church and man, you're around people who just, they genuinely love you. They may not have seen you for two weeks or for a month, but they genuinely come up to you and they hug you and they say, hey, I'm so glad that you're here and you know that they mean it because the eyes of your soul do not lie and it feels good. The, the kids that run up in the hallway and the laughter and, and the pitter-patter of young lives in the church is so encouraging. The songs that are sang here, man, there's just nothing about uh, our Jesus, amen? And it's because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary that we unite together as a church here at Metropolitan Baptist Church. And so, man, ladies, thank you for that special, beautiful. And then, man, my, my soul was stirred in prayer meeting this morning when, when Brother John uh, was practicing that choir song, man, talking about the love of God, man. And it almost breaks you down when you realize that somebody loves you unconditionally. Not because how you look, not because what you can offer, not because of anything. He's still willing to do that, and that's the Jesus that we serve. Amen? I know Brother John, he, he tolerates me in the choir, and I appreciate that because I can't carry a note. I'm thankful for Brother Mark who can sing like a bird, and so I try to hide underneath him and mimic him. If you notice, me and Brother Kavanaugh squeeze in on both sides of him so to drown us out. But, boy, some of them songs, it's like, I don't care what the note is. This is a message, and, man, you just want to belt it out. And so I can kind of know why preachers aren't in choirs most of the time. Amen? But thank you, Brother John, for your tolerance with that. But what do we sing about. We sing about Jesus. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible this morning, take your Bible and turn to the book of Luke chapter number 24 with me this morning. The book of Luke chapter number 24. Um, I promise you my message will be a little bit shorter this morning. Miss Judy told me she had to get the Cheddars by 1215. Is that right? Cheddars at 12, you made the appointment for you and Sandra? Okay. All right. So we'll close out service at around 1210 and we can get over there. All right. But, uh, Today's message I want to bring to you is called The Story of a Familiar Stranger. The Story of a Familiar Stranger. It, once you get there in Luke chapter number 24, I want you to take your songbook and turn over to page number 354. Your songbook number 354. You know, I, I, like, I like people's stories. Um, I'm blessed at what I get to do for a living to support my family when um, I'm not behind a pulpit. And uh, that's being a director of an assisted living facility. I've been doing that for decades. I've been taking care of folks and being part of their story. And I've had the privilege of hearing some amazing people's stories. Uh, when we were in Canton, Ohio, I was able to hear the story of several NFL football players and take care of them. Um, here at Hardest of Arlington, I was able to be part of several old Texas Rangers uh, and their story. Uh, a lot of World War II veterans, uh, I was able to be part of their story. Korean vets, Navy fighter pilots. Um, I even got to hear the story of the man who, when uh, Jack Ruby was arrested um, right outside where the Western Union was, I was able to be part of that man's story. And the man who worked for the Dallas Police Department, who got to keep the gun as evidence, uh, from that. And so I've been able to hear about a lot of people's stories of their life. Um, if, if somebody ever asked me, they say, Brother Little, what do you love to do? You know, it's not golf. I, I do like golf. It, it's not watching OU football, amen. Uh, I, I like those things. But you know, there's one thing I truly love, and that's people. I love genuinely hearing about people, and, and I want to know people. 
just this morning on my way in to get my godly breakfast of chocolate donuts and Dr. Pepper. Uh, amen, brother. Don't, don't get me revved up. Don't you dare get me revved up this morning. But with that being said, I stopped over here at the Shell station. And, and the, the lady said, uh, I, I said, hey, what aisle is your attitude adjustment on? And, and she laughed at me. And I said, my wife needs an attitude adjustment this morning. And I can't find any on the aisle. She laughed and she says, well, let me go out there and talk to her. And I said, no, 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 don't you dare. She says, said, where do you go to church? I said, I go to church right over there at Metropolitan Baptist Church. She said, would you do me a favor? She said, would you pray for me this morning? I said, you know what? Let's not wait. Let's pray right now. And I said, tell me your story. And she shared a little bit about what's going on in her life. She's saved, but just she isn't where she needs to be. Amen. And it's not my job to get her there. It's God and her decision to get there. Amen. But I'm going to help push her in the way she needs to go. But I like hearing people's story. When there's a person at the side of the road and they're holding up a sign and I'll look through my glove box, I'll try to find some change or a dollar on me. And even if I can't do it, I'll just have the common decency and the common courtesy to roll down my window, to wave hey to them and say, hey, I don't have anything, but man, I, I, I love you and God loves you. And they appreciate that. But if there's time, I always say, hey, tell me your story. And it's amazing how you hear about people's stories in their life. Sitting in our auditorium and in a church membership that we have here, we have some people with some pretty amazing stories. I admire Miss Doris Davison so much. She has an amazing story. And there's many others in here that you have a story and, and being part of that story. I like hearing those things. Uh, I liked going to the library when I was a kid. I was, believe it or not, I was a nerd. I liked reading. I liked getting books. Uh, one of my favorite books, young people, were books that you would read the story. And it says, if you go through the dark door on the right, turn to page 86. Or if you want to fight the ghoulish monster, turn to page 97. And as you read through the story, you get to make your pathway. I always died. I never got to finish the end of the book. So I finally said, I'm not going to read the whole book. I'll just read the end of it. My wife, she likes to read books as well. Beverly Lewis is one of her favorite authors. And when she gets a new book, I'll read the back of the book, the last three chapters. And I got it. And I'm like, oh, honey, so did so-and-so marry so-and-so? Oh, did so? And she says, don't you do that. You ruined the whole thing. Well, I like stories. I remember when little Christopher was just a little boy. And some of y'all may have had this experience. There used to be a, a man who would come to your house and sell Encyclopedia Britannica's. And he would come to your house and they would knock on, then they would say, hey, can we come in and show you everything? Well, here we are with a little two-year-old kid and this guy shows us all these books, man, from A to Z and the coloring pages and the maps. And, and he's like, this would be great for your child. And here's Christopher slobbering all over himself and, and dragging himself on the ground. I'm looking at Alicia going, man, this is awesome. My wife is sitting back over here, $2,000 for pretending, but baby, we can put it on a payment plan. You know, and so we would see for a two-year-old to have a whole Encyclopedia Britannica, we still have them to this day. I mean, no, I'm teasing. We, ne <laughs> we never got, how many of y'all bought that, amen? But no, I, I love the Encyclopedia Britannicas, man, because just the history and the knowledge that was in there because of the story. And so as I was reading my Bible, I, I came across this and a story of a person's life that affected a generation and affected an entire world from an unfamiliar friend. If you have your songbook, page number 354 is a song that was written by Fanny Crosby. Can anybody in here tell me uh, an ailment or a physical disability that Fanny Crosby had? Blind. Say it again, brother. Blind. She was blind. Fanny Crosby could not see. So if you know anything about blind people, you have to set things up for them. So if you're talking to someone who's blind and you normally use a clock face as a surrounding forum and you tell them, hey, I just put your medicine at 12 o'clock, I put your cell phone at 3 o'clock, and I, I put your napkin over here at 9 o'clock, and it helps them realize what they're reaching for. If I look at a blind man and I say, wow, look at that beautiful green pine tree forest, they would have no idea of what green that I'm talking about. And so things have to be described 
to them. And Fanny Crosby, as she writes this song, look at this, this, this that she's asking for. She's asking for a story. And in this story, she can use her imagination that she's heard from Scripture. And she can use her imagination from what she's heard from the testimony of others who believe in the same Jesus that she come to know. And let's look at this first verse. It says, tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. See, things that are written in your heart will never fade away. See, Alzheimer's and dementia may steal the things that are written in the mind, but those things that are written in the heart don't go away. It's amazing when you walk into an Alzheimer unit and all of a sudden you break open the Word of God and you start reading John chapter number 3, verse number 16, a person who can't remember their children's name, a person who can't remember where they worked, a person who can't remember where they are, their lips will start mumbling John three sixteen for God so loved the world. Hey, that's written on their heart. All of a sudden we start singing a song, Jesus loves me, this I know. Hey, they may not can remember your name. They may not know what's going on, but guess what they start uttering with their lips? They start singing that song that was written on their heart. My question to you today, Christian, my question to you today, church, is the story that I'm about to tell you today something that's written in your heart or something that's impressed on your mind? Because things that are impressed on the heart will make a lifestyle change Things that are impressed on the mind will only affect your actions for a short time. I want to tell you a story about a familiar friend today. It says, write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth. Glory to God in the highest, peace and good tidings on earth. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Fanny, thank you for penning those beautiful words. And today, let's tell this story about Jesus. If you're with me in in Luke chapter number 24, then say amen with me. Now, to come to where we are in Luke chapter number 24, you got to understand what has just happened. What has just happened has been the crucifixion. Jesus Christ has just been crucified and, and, and by, by, the, by the religious world. He was beaten with a, a cat of nine tails across his back. He, he was laid into the, the soldiers, viciously ripped out his beard, punched him in the face and mocked him and said, if you know all things and you're this person you claim to be, then tell us who hit you. And as they beat him, the Bible recalls that his visage, his face was so marred, he did not look human. They then mock him even more by placing a crown of thorns upon his head. And guys, we're not talking about the the thorns from grandma's rose bushes. We're talking about thorns that impressed his skull in such a way that blood came streaming from his face. The Bible says they took a reed and they knocked it on top of his head. But not one time during that beating, not one time during that naked embarrassment, not one time did he ever look to God and call the angels in glory and ask for help. For you see, we read in Scripture that he could have called. And can you imagine the response time that it would have took for an angel to respond to God Almighty, the Son of God, asking for just a pinch of help? What mercy and what grace we were shown through the Lord, the story of Jesus and his crucifixion. As he then bared a huge cross upon his back, they make him walk down a street and up a hill after enduring such a beating. He falls under the weight of that cross and therefore pulls a man from the crowd to assist him. And as he gets to the top of that hill, there were two male factors on either side. Both deserving of the punishment that was there. And what was our Savior's punishment? That he was king of kings and he was lord of lords. But what was this man's punishment? One we knew was a murderer. One we knew that broke the law. But what was our savior's punishment? 
Do you realize the crucifixion and his punishment was the sin that you did? The sin that we do and the sin that we will commit? That was his judgment that he was taking for us. That was written in his story. Jesus Christ said, I'll take what's written on eternity and mankind's story and put it on the pages of my life and I will bear that guilt. I will bear that pain. And there they nailed him, one arm to the right, one arm to the left. They nailed and secured his feet to the cross and then raised him up. And if that was not enough, they were not satisfied. They began to rail on him. As he would call out, look, he thinks he's a prophet. They would stare at him as he hung naked before his mother, before his friends, and among his peers. The story of the crucifixion is one of such horror and such pain and such agony. But we read he was bruised for our iniquities. And it was because by those stripes, we are healed because of that crucifixion story that was written. As they pierced his side, as they offer him gall, as it turns night and God the Father turns, cannot look upon sin. The first time in eternity ever. That God the Father is ever separated from God the Son. Is there written in the story of the cross. And what caused that division you say? You and me. We caused God's Son to be separated from God the Father. Because of our sin. And that story is written in Jesus' life not ours. There as he dies, his disciples forsake him. They run away scared. And there as he dies on that cross, we are thankful for Nicodemus and the ladies and Joseph that bring this man down off the cross. I've seen a lot of death in my life. I have prepared a lot of bodies after death. But I could not imagine preparing and cleaning this body Of this man who had been beaten. This man who has had his side pierced. A man who had had wound and trauma to his head. But not only that. Being someone you loved. It was hard enough for me to care for my son. When he died. I couldn't imagine... Because of what I did, I caused this. But he was willing to have this written in his story so I would not have to pay that. They then placed him in the tomb. The disciples, the apostles, all that followed Jesus go away. And we now come three days later to Luke chapter number 24. And let me read to you Luke chapter number 24, give you five points, three sub points, and then let me preach my message like Brother Wayne Hudson will. Amen? Here we go. Luke chapter number 24, the Bible says this. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. Do you remember what these spices would be? Do you remember when Jesus was born in Bethlehem and then years later there would be wise men who would come and they would bring the gift of myrrh? This is that what we see here being prepared for his death. Those spices which they were bringing. And they found the stone. Remember that stone that they had Pilate put away because they thought that the disciples would come and steal his body away being such radicalists that he would come back in three days and denying the existence of the omnipotent son of God. They put the stone and they, they, they saw the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed there about, uh, about two men stood beside, or sorry, two men stood by them in shining garments. 
And as they were afraid, they bowed down their faces to the earth, and they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Praise the Lord. They knew the end of the story. Amen. These angels understood what was being written. They understood what was being read about. They understood what they were being taught about this Lamb of God. Amen. That would take away the sins of the world. And look at this. He says, he is not here, but is, is risen. Remember how he spake? Listen, I want you to remember how he spake to you when he was yet in Galilee. Let me ask you a question, guys. Does Jesus Christ ever lie? Does Jesus Christ ever tell a half-truth? Did Jesus Christ ever elaborate on something and maybe stretch something out? Did, did God ever not ever come through on his promises? But can you see these people right here being encouraged? I want you to remember that God is a God of his word. So if God promised to save you, he will save you despite of yourself and over yourself. Many Christians live a lackluster, lack victory life because they look at the failures of their self. They look at the fallings and sins of their coming and they say, well, if I did get bad, then God the Father is not going to bless me. No, God would not have told this story if he wasn't still going to bless you in your life. And when the preacher comes, the word of God comes, a song comes, it comes to remind you that there is a God that will keep his promises. Saying the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified the third day and rise again. And they remembered his words. Amen. And they returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And the word seemed to them as idle tales. These women are lying. These women are saying something they don't see. And they believed them not. What a shame. Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher and stooping down and beheld the linen clothes that laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. And behold, two of them that went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had just happened. These two witnesses are talking about how Jesus just died, how he was crucified. How he was put in a grave and now all of a sudden these women are coming back talking about there's no body. There's nobody there. And hearing how Peter ran down to the, the tomb and, and, and now they're talking about it as they're walking to this town. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, whoo, look who showed up. Jesus. And just so the Bible writer is clear, himself. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Can you imagine? All of a sudden... You're talking about the, the, the current day's events that's going on. You're talking about what has just happened in the church. You, you're just talking about what's going on. Then all of a sudden, the man with the plan comes along and he starts joining the party. But you don't know he's the man. You don't know he's the one. And look at this. And, and, they, and he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And one of them said, whose name was Cleophas, answered him, said, are you crazy? Where have you been? See, you got to understand the Greek like I do. Deep Greek theology here. Look at this. Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast thou not known the things which are come to pass therein in these days? Where have you been? Do you not know what we're talking about? And he said unto them, what things? Tell me more. And he said to them concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But, stranger, listen, we trusted that it had been he, Jesus, which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they also had seen a vision of the angels and said that he was alive. And that certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it, even as the women had said, but he they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart, to believe all the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ have suffered these things? And to enter into his glory, shouldn't he have died and went into glory? 
And look at verse number 27. I have written in my Bible here in verse number 27. This is the first time the preaching of the resurrection was ever preached. And guess who preaches the first sermon on the resurrection? The man who did it. Look at this. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And as they drew nigh to the village, whether they went, he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him. Why they constrained him? Because they liked talking about Jesus. When I was in Christian school, we sang a song, let's talk about Jesus. The King of Kings is he, the Lord of Lords Supreme. Amen. And they talked about it and abide with us for it is toward the evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. There is a principle in this verse that when you desire to spend time with God, God is going to make time for you. God will never say, I'm too busy. God will never say there's something more important. God will tarry when you ask him to tarry. Why is it important for revival praying? Because when you pray for revival, God will send revival. What can God not refuse? A broken and contrite heart, God will not refuse. And it came to pass, as he said it, meet with them, that he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. As these two men walked and told him of the current events of how tragic this death was and how this body was missing. All of a sudden Jesus started reminding them of that he's a God of his word and the purpose of his life on this world. That God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, beginning with Moses and the law. And he was the fulfillment of that law. And as they tarried together and had meat together, Jesus did something. And I'm wondering what this sounded like. The Bible says that he blessed it. Jesus prayed. I'm reminded of a story that Jesus told Peter. He said, Peter, I have prayed for thee. Whenever he said the devil desires to sift you as wheat. Did you know that Jesus Christ, the son of God, prays for you? He is our intercessor that goes for the father for you. And that was the purpose of that. What happened during that blessing of the bread that opened their eyes? And they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us by the way? And while he opened to us the scripture. And they rose up the selfsame hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were there with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Wow. The story of a familiar stranger. I've got five points and we're out of here. Point number one, if you're writing them down, what is the story that we're talking about today? We're talking about the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection. Not just the horrible death that happened on the cross that day, but the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ was buried and came back on the third day and secured our salvation. Number one, it's a story of remembrance. It's a story of of remembrance. My question to everyone in this auditorium this morning is a simple one. Has your salvation story been written? Has your salvation story been written? When I say, hey, tell me about your story. Will your story include a time where you invited Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to be your Savior? See, on February the 14th, 1989, Brother Allen made Jesus Christ his Savior. And the story was written from that point that I could call Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. When did you get saved? Where did you get saved? For many of you, was it an altar experience? Was it inside of a tent upon some hay? Was it at youth camp? Was it at vacation Bible school? Where in your story did it begin that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? It's a story of remembrance of what God did for you. As you've now lived your Christian life, many of you for decades, many of you for half a century, there was a time at the very beginning where you remember where you got saved. Let us not forget that story. It's a story of remembrance. I love to talk about my salvation with people. I love to tell them about the experience. Some people may forget the time. Some people may forget the date, but they'll never never forget the experience of where they made Christ their savior. 
If you don't have a salvation story, then you'll end up with an eternal nightmare. See, as you sit here inside this auditorium, maybe your story will be written like mine, where you were the great pretender. You come to church, you bring your Bible, you look right, you talk right, you do right, but inside of your heart, it's empty. See, you have a head knowledge of this story of Jesus Christ, but it has never been written on your heart, this story of Jesus Christ. And one day when you die, you will stand before God and you're going to say, but God, didn't I do this? But God, didn't I have this? And he will look at you and say, depart from me. I never knew you. And the reason why you don't know him is because it's a heart knowledge you've got to have rather than a head knowledge. Maybe the story is you're just too shy and too timid to come down front and accept what you know. And you say, I'm going to put it off till later. My friend, hey, the bills come due. And one day the bill on your life is going to come due when you die. You tell me you won't die today. You tell me you're not going to have a stroke. You tell me you won't go out here and be hit by a car. You tell me you won't be shot. You tell me when you're going to die, then if you're going to gamble your life with God. See, the story of salvation today is the day of salvation. There is not time to wait, time to lose. Do not bargain or play with God because one day you will stand before God. There will be no timeout. There will be no do-overs. They'll be like, God, one more chance. But God in his justice said you had that chance when you heard the story of my son Jesus dying for you. It's a story of remembrance. Number two, the gospel is a story that's being rejected. Look at verse number 11. Verse number 11 tells us this, that their words seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not. It's a story that's rejected. Can you imagine as these women went to the tomb and they saw that the body was empty, they ran back and told the disciples that were there and they said, he's no longer here. And they said, what? No way. That, that can't be true. That, that can't be right. And did you know that today we're dealing with the same thing that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a message that is still being rejected today? You know who's being rejected by this gospel? It's being rejected by those who are lost. How many times have you knocked on a door and you said, hey, I'm Alan Little from Metropolitan Baptist Church. I just want to invite you to church. But hey, before I go, I really didn't come to ask you about going to church with me. I just want to know one thing. If you die today, are you 100% sure you're going to heaven when you die? Man, I ain't got time for this and closes the door in your face. Or how about you're out passing out the gospel tracts, guys? You remember when we went to Six Flags with Brother Daniel? And we got all them tracts. Did every one of those people from Six Flags take a track from you? Were they whistling at you saying, hey, come back this way. Give me more of those tracts to hand to my friends. No, what they do? They gave you the hand, amen? They turned away. They rejected it. Why? Because it is offensive to tell people that they're sinners. It is offensive to tell people, hey, you are going to die and go to hell because of what you're doing in your life. If you're an infidel, you're going to hell. You're a fornicator, you're going to hell. If you murder, you're going to hell. Guess what? If you lie, you're going to hell. And nobody wants to hear that story. Nobody wants to be accountable for their sin. You know what they want to do? They want to use an excuse, well, I did not know. They want to use the excuse, well, I had this going on in my life. My friend, God does not play games. It is either right, it is either wrong. God sent his son to die for you, and this gospel is being rejected by lost people. It's also being rejected by the heathen. Do you remember in the story of Jesus Christ, they they cross over the sea, and as soon as they get there, they come upon a man who was demon-possessed. And as he was demon-possessed, Jesus goes to him. They tried to bind him with chains and fetters and tried to do all they could. They tried to give him religion. That didn't work. But until he met Jesus, he cast out the demons. Guess what? Was he received by everybody else and went, Yay, this man is now free from his demons and accepted him and Jesus? No. They said, You go back over where you came from. How many times has that happened with you and your family? See, we don't sit with our families in church. And if you do, well, you should cherish that. If you have the testimony that your grandparents went to church with you, that's a blessing. 
You've got the testimony that your brothers and sisters went to church with you. That's a blessing. But if you have the testimony of your story that your family rejects you because of one thing, not because of the color of your skin, not because of who you married, not because you may have been incarcerated, not because you may have messed up, but they reject you over one thing, and that's the story of Jesus that's in your heart. They don't fellowship with you. You're too good. You're too almighty. They reject that truth of the story of what Jesus did for us. If it's not rejected by the lost, it's rejected by the heathen. And lastly, it's rejected by the religious. Do you remember Stephen being full of faith, looked up to heaven, and they stoned him with stones? Do you remember what he was telling the people there, the religious ones? He began with Abraham and went to Jesus. And because of that story, it cost him to die. Paul, why was he martyred? Because it was rejected. Why are martyrs written in Hebrews? Why do we have the book of the voice of martyrs? Because this is a story that's not just remembered, but a story that's rejected. It's also a story that's restricted. We have missions conference coming up this week, beginning on Wednesday. And Russia is a country that restricts the gospel. We have dear friends called Chris Karametris and Sherilyn Karametris. They've been missionaries to China for several years. And our correspondence has to be in code because of what they do with the people in China. Because why, if this gospel got out, they would be free and free indeed. And folks, we are in a spiritual battle and the devil does not want this message to go out. So therefore, he restricts this story just as these two men were talking about Jesus and was walking and they were even telling themselves about Jesus and Jesus was standing among them and their eyesight was restricted. This story is also restricted even as Mary was sitting down at the garden and what does scripture so tell us? They tell us supposing him to be the gardener. It was restricted. See, sometimes our lack of knowledge and sometimes our lack of faith thereof makes us restrict this story that is for everybody and every man and every woman in this world. And we restrict that story that that story has power. It has power to save. It has power to seal. It's a story that's been restricted and rejected. But my last point here, guys, it's a story of redemption. What's the story of Jesus Christ? It's a story about how he came down and purchased us back. Our sin sent us to hell, but without his life, we wouldn't go to heaven. If you read the daily bread, this came out of the daily bread, and I love this. A story is told by Paul Lee Tan, who illustrates the meaning of redemption. He said that when A.J. Gordon was pastor of a church in Boston, he met a young boy in front of the sanctuary carrying a rusty cage in which several birds fluttered away nervously. Gordon replied, son, where did you get those birds? The boy replied, I trapped them out of the field. What are you going to do with them? Well, I'm going to play with them, and I guess I'll just feed them to an old cat we have at home. When Gordon offered to buy them, the lad exclaimed, mister, you don't want these birds. They're ugly. They're old wild birds, and they don't even sing. Well, Gordon replied, I'll give you $2 for the cage and $2 for each bird. Okay, that's a deal, mister, but you're making a bad bargain. The exchange was made and the boy went away whistling, happy with his shiny coins. Gordon walked around to the back of the church property, opened the door of the small wire coop, and let the struggling creatures soar into the blue. The next Sunday, he took the empty cage into the pulpit and used it to illustrate his sermon about Christ coming to seek and save that which was lost, paying for them with his own precious blood. The preacher said, that boy told me that these birds were not songsters, said Gordon. But when I released them and they winged their way heavenly, their voices and their chirping began to become unrecognizable. It seemed to me they were singing redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. 
This story of Jesus Christ dying on the cross is a story about how that we were redeemed from Satan. Do you remember whenever you got saved and remember when your life was changed? God did that because he redeemed us. It's a story of redemption. But not only that, it's a story of rejoicing. It's a story of rejoicing. Can I ask you something, Christian? When was the last time your heart got stirred? When was the last time because of the story of Jesus Christ, man, something happened inside of your crawl? See, there are two type of people. There's three really type of people when they get excited. You got the brother Allens of the world. Amen. When I get excited, I hoop, I holler, I run, I jump, I go crazy. I have a seizure right here in the middle of the church. Amen. I'm just that excited about everything. Give me banana pudding with cream on top. Whoa, amen, I'm getting happy, amen. Boy, talking about rejoicing. Hey, when were their eyes open, church? When was their eyes open? Their eyes wasn't open when Jesus started talking about himself. From Moses until now, his eyes was open when they did something. They broke bread together, amen? And one of the things I love about being Baptist is that we break bread together, amen? Hey, listen, I would be charismatic if they ate better than the Baptist, but the Baptists eat better, Amen. I'm joking. Y'all like, what? No. Uh, They broke bread and he blessed the food. When was the last time your heart's been stirred? But I remember mama boy, she makes ham hocks and she puts the bone inside the brown beans and she goes from time to time on top of that stove and she starts stirring up them beans. Why is she stirring them beans so it don't get scolded on the bottom? Why is she stirring up them beans to get them juices flowing? Amen? Hey, it was boss's day this week and I have a whole bunch of Hispanics that work for me. Guess what they made me for boss's day? They made me homemade menudo. Whoa, I never had menudo, but I love it now, boy. But guess what? As they was cooking that in the kitchen, you know what they was doing? They was stirring that pot, boy. And then they had these green limes, boy. They're going in, they were squeezing them limes. I was like, boy, we're going to have church at work today, boy. They were stirring the pot. You know what's wrong with churches today? Your heart hadn't been stirred. And when God does stir your heart, you rejected you restricted you turn it away that i ain't got time for them as these two disciples walked that day they were rejected they were sad and they were depressed jesus christ said why are you so sad because redemption is walking with you why are you so sad because resurrection is walking with you but your soul won't be stirred until you recognize who walks with you let me tell you my friend you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death because you realize who's walking with you you can walk through persecution because you realize who's walking with you. You can walk through any trial. You can walk through any temptation. You can walk through anything in this Christian life when you realize who's walking with you. When was the last time your soul's been stirred? When we started to sing, how great thou art, does your heart get stirred and tears start coming down your eyes? I said, there's people like brother Allen who hoop and holler. Then you got people who start crying. See, me and people who start crying, we don't like each other. Because I'm like, why are you crying? I'm just so happy. <laughs> well, if you're happy, why are you crying? Amen? Let's get excited. Yeah, but praise God. And then you got the ones that are excited. You got the ones that start crying. Then you got the bouncers. It's like the ones who want to sneeze, but they want to hold it in. And they don't want everybody to hear them sneeze. And all of a sudden they get excited. They start doing this. Boy, that old fat roll starts to jiggling. That arm roll on the back starts a flopping. They ain't going to say amen. They ain't going to cry, but they just going to start shaking. Amen. When was the last time that you got stirred over this story of rejoicing? See, when you get stirred, you'll start singing special. When you get stirred, you'll start going soul winning. When you get stirred, you'll start serving others. When was the last time that pot of your heart had been stirred? Because you know what happened to these two witnesses when their heart got stirred? Their heart started burning. And listen, this ain't something Alka-Seltzer is going to fix. Their heart started burning in a heavenly way. Why? Because this story about Jesus is real. There's a real hell where people go when they don't hear this story. What did they do? This story made them have a redirection. This story made them repeat themselves. And it's called the story of the gospel. The story of an unfamiliar friend. 
So church, what's my application in my preaching to you today? It's three points, and I want you to write these down. Number one, what is the story of us? And what do I mean by us? What is the story of Metropolitan Baptist Church? What is the story of Metropolitan Baptist Church? I love Metropolitan Baptist Church. Point number one, it's remembering our history. Remembering our history. I remember when I came down to Metropolitan Baptist Church where I was first introduced as a teenager and the carpet wasn't here. There used to be a little tile area in the middle. And when our youth pastor brought us here for a youth conference, all of us teenagers would tap our feet on the ground during the singing to make noise. But then also the, y'all, they had these chairs and they were, you could sit in the chairs. And if, if you, if you know, you know, if you don't, you don't, but there used to be chairs and then the flags used to go across and there used to be flags up in the top for the thing. And so I always loved coming to do that because you could make a ruckus. Amen. Still making a ruckus today. Then I remember whenever we came down with little Kendrick and we needed a place to stay while he was going through his radiation. And I think that's when Miss Judy was in the office over there. And boy, I love Miss Judy and the church, how they were just so welcoming our history, our history, a hundred years, guys. That's we're remembering that starting over here on Old Hazel Avenue, then coming here. And there's still some old heads in here that can tell you more. And I remember back in our, our fellowship hall, not, not the gym, but the fellowship hall. There's a room back there with old video reels and old pictures that just tell the story. I remember when Brother Bruce Martin was skinny. Amen. And his, oh, I didn't mean to say that, brother. No, I didn't mean to say it. But I remember Brother Bruce Martin when he was young in Honduras and he was out of Metropolitan Baptist Church. It's history. I, I, I miss the Smiths. I, I miss the Merediths. I, I miss Brother Addington at the front door. I, I miss those men of faith. I, I miss Brother Bill. I, 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 the LOLs, man, when we went to Ohio, they made me that longhorn and that picture of Texas. And man, every day I'd touch it and pray over them. Amen. I, I, I miss those old heads that laid a foundation for this church. The preachers. As a bus kid growing up, you know, Brother Atkinson coming and giving his display of South Africa and teaching us Wambi, 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 Esu, Wame, you know, and he sings in that big barrelly voice and he commands things. Coming to be here, the youth that would show up on Wednesday night, the ministries that have been in this church and has been a staple over a hundred years that people say, oh, I know where that church is. It's a story of remembrance. It's also a story of realization. It's a story of our presence. It's a realization of where we are today, Metropolitan Baptist Church. We just had a man of God, tremendous man of God, and Pastor Turner retire from the ministry. But did that close our doors? Did it shut down our progress? We have one of the most dynamic youth pastors in this area. We have such one of the most faithful head trustees that any church could ask for willing to lead. We have some of the strongest men. What need has been presented to Metropolitan Baptist Church that somebody did not rise up and say, I'm here to help? Look at our pianist. Every service she's here. Look at our choir. They're here singing. Where are we at with the present today? This story that we talk about, about the gospel, it's a gospel story that had a beginning at Metropolitan Baptist Church that leads us to the present today. What's the story of the gospel? There shouldn't be empty classrooms. There shouldn't be empty van routes. See, this gospel is restricted because not of a lack of money, but a lack of laborers. This restriction is just as a heart of compassion for somebody just to say, it's not about what's going on in my life. It's not about what is happening with me, but is what is happening with you. Where are we at today, church? You know where we're at today? It is my responsibility to carry the gospel for this generation. I appreciate Pastor Hudson saying, you young people are the generation of now. You're not. I'm holding the football. And one day I will pass it on to you. 
But that's only if you have the story written in your heart rather than written in your mind. Where's the man that I will hand this next ball off to? It's our time, church. Look at the present that we have. We have some of the most dynamic and pioneering missionaries in the world. And Brother Tom Gaday, in his wisdom and in his knowledge, look at Brother Martin and his experience in the field. What better time now to raise men? Brother Jeffrey Evans leading our college. Where are we posed today, men and women and families? Will we tell the story over the next hundred years? Where are we at in the present? We are so blessed. They're building apartment complexes just two miles away. We're so blessed. Within 10 miles, we're growing by 10,000. But guess what 10,000 people need? Tell me the story of Jesus. They don't need programs. They don't need fancy things. They just need a people willing to tell the story of Jesus. Not a thousand people in a church. Just a few that will bond together and commit to the story of Christ. What's our story, Metropolitan Baptist Church? It's a story of remembering the last hundred years. It's a realization of where we are today. And lastly, it's a revelation of our future. Missions conference starts Wednesday. God will not support a church that will not support missions. God will not support a church that will not support missions financially. God will not support a church that will not support missions physically. What's the revelation of our future? Unfortunately, this part of our story is blank. The pen of this story is in your hands. Young people, how big will your youth department be? Young adults, what impact will you make on the future leaders of our church and in our nation? Church, where will we support these young ones in their efforts? What will we commit to in this revelation and of this story? See, Jesus is walking among us. And some of you don't even realize it. Jesus is walking among us and your heart's burning. And you want to do something about it. What's the story of the unfamiliar friend? But lastly, as I went around and I shook hands and I hugged necks of people in the church... You can see in somebody's eye whether or not they have the story of Jesus written on them. You can tell a counterfeit from the real thing when you feel it with your hands. You can see somebody who's struggling with something inside because their eyes don't lie. They look away. They look up and down. There's a lack of confidence. And there's some of you in this auditorium this morning where you're not saved. I'm not up here playing games today. I'm not up here to give a speech. I'm up here for you. Has the story of your salvation been written? And if it has not been written, would you come today? If I could beg you, I would. If I could run down and, and, and put salvation on you, I, I would. Not just for being saved from hell, but the peace that comes by knowing God is your Savior and the joy of every day wanting to wake up, wanting to live because I have a God who loves me. That's my cry for you today that you would know the story of Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As we stand to our feet this morning, my question is simple. Tell me your story. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Will you continue to tell the story of Jesus? We remember Jesus by bringing into present God's past actions. Church, would you respond?
as their instruments play. If you need to do business with God this morning, church, the altar is open. Don't delay. Don't delay.
Well, Brother Victor, uh, Brother Daniel Flores has been working with Brother Victor uh, for a while. And uh, he comes this morning inviting Christ to come into his heart to be a savior. Amen. So congratulations, Brother Victor. As I told you, there's no greater decision that you'll ever make in your life. And you'll remember this moment for the rest of your life because now that story's been written. It's been written in blood that'll never be erased. Amen. So God bless you, brother. And so welcome. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. And so I'll be excited to talk with uh, Brother Daniel about that. Welcome, Brother Victor. Again, keep Brother um, brother Wayne Hudson and Susie in prayer um, as we dismiss out of here as they'll be traveling back this week. Please keep Brother Daniel uh, and Miss Michelle and little Natalie in your prayers as well uh, this afternoon uh, for their medical emergency that they had. We look forward to seeing everyone back out tonight. Again, if you can't make it back out tonight. If you can help us tomorrow, help us get some things moved out of the gym uh, to get ready for missions conference, that will be a blessing. And then if uh, you can make it six o'clock on Monday, if you have any questions, you can see me in the back. Amen. So with that being said, brother John, you want to come and lead us in a chorus? Page 300 and excuse me, 533, 533 till the whole world knows. Till the whole world